0: It's an awesome tool. I love using it. I've been using it for a little bit now. And the cool thing about it is it's absolutely free. So if you're interested in starting up a podcast, if you're interested in getting involved in podcast work, then download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I want you to move past my past because my past has responsibility and accountability that I don't want to admit and that I don't want to take care of. I don't want to move past your past because me holding your past means I still have control. That's what it's about. A narcissist wants to have control of the other person. So if I can bring up something that's going to give damage, that it's going to promote your reactive abuse, that's going to trigger you, that means I still control you. So as a result, my past, like let's let's forget about that. My past, like that's not talking about that. Okay, like we should move on past that. Okay, because that would mean I'd have to be accountable for it. I'd have to have responsibility. I'd have to actually feel shame. I'd actually have to feel guilt. I'd have to process it, learn that it's wrong, and move past it to a form of healing. Not going to do that. But let's keep your past there. Let's bring up your past over and over and over again. That way I can trigger you, put you on the defensive, I can control you. (laughs) you. She's laughing more because it's the third time I've tried to take this video. We were going to the store and she was like, I was like, what do we want for supper? And she was like, we might get rotisserie chicken. And I was like, rotisserie chicken is just like a narcissist. It smells great, but once you get inside, it's just all bland and nasty. Narcissism really helped me destroy like everything like good in my marriage. The self-absorbed way that I would live, the gaslighting that I would do to my wife, making her feel like she had to walk on eggshells around me because of my personality or because of my reaction or judging. The lack of emotions that I would show to her while judging her own. The night spent arguing and listening to her cry and just feeling void of emotion, like annoyed that it was even happening to me. Like I would come across as being inconvenienced about like her emotions, inconvenienced of what she was struggling with or going through because I, I caused most of it. There is an aspect of the narcissist, like feeling like God or wanting to be God, mainly in the aspect of they want to be the center of the universe. They want to be the person that's worshiped. They want to be the person that all eyes are on them, all focuses on them because they're the number one, they're the best person ever. I don't necessarily see consistently a correlation between my sense of ego versus your feelings not being important. Um, That sometimes corresponds with empathy, and at that point, either I lack empathy because I'm unwilling to acknowledge that you have feelings, or I just don't care. And that's not just because, oh, I'm so good and you're so awful, that's just, I don't care. And so like getting to the place of like trying to work on understanding I'm not the center of the universe, you know, I'm not the biggest person in the universe, the world doesn't revolve around me. Those are the things, the truth and the facts that I have to get to the place so I can start realizing, hey, other people do matter and developing that empathy. Think of it this way, the pain of getting sober, the pain of getting off drugs is very painful, is very frustrating, is very annoying you know people that try to detox off of those things especially going cold turkey will often relapse will often go back to it because it feels in that moment it is the worst thing ever it feels like you're literally dying your body's falling apart that's how it is with the narcissist Actually getting to the place where they have to admit the truth and have that weight lift off of them is almost like coming out of detox, coming out of addiction to lying, an addiction to making themselves look better, addiction to making themselves be the best person in their minds. And as a result, that process seems way too painful. That process of admitting that they have done something wrong, that process of admitting that they might not be the best person in the world, that like kills the ego. As a result, it's easier just to stay in that lie and hold on to it because then you have to be accountable. So that new supply phase is very crucial because you have to be able to convince them very quickly that you're a good person, that you're the best person for them, and that all your other past relationships were crazy and you just have like really bad luck with crazy people. And so as a result, you get into that relationship, you start future faking, like, hey, I want a life with you, I want to create uh, a kid with you, I want to create a marriage with you, like whatever it might be, that's what it starts to be. And then like, hey, like let's get rid of our Facebook accounts. Let's get rid of any trace that I have. Let's get rid of any way for someone to contact me or you so I can isolate you so I can get you to the place that no one's going to contact you that no one's going to give you a heads up and also the place that you don't see all my past relationships on my social media if I can control that if I can control what you see if I can control your outlook then I have control remember that's what a narcissist wants they want control over another person's life so they can give and take whatever they want so they can feel better about themselves and get that supply So a lot of times the narcissist will think that you'll come back or you'll take them back after a smear campaign, after they're cheating, after all these different types of things, mainly because they still think they're the best person ever and it's a privilege for you to be with them. And you have to remember, a narcissist is always looking at their ego, is always looking at their self-worth, is always looking to have themselves put up on a pedestal. And so thinking that someone else in their life is actually putting them up on a pedestal is very common. It's something that they want to be able to have people worship them, like a God complex of this person. I'm sure, yeah, they, they left me, but I'm sure they still want to be with me. Um, You know, I left them and yeah, I, I said a couple of mean things, but I'm sure they still want to be with me. Or I'm sure that the relationship I see on social media with her and someone else, I'm sure that's fake and they're just trying to get back at me. It's very crazy reasoning and it's very circular because they want to feel like they are still number one. Yes, I am a Christian. So some people were like, how are you a Christian? But you did all these things. Well, I don't think I was a Christian when I was doing those things. I don't think I could have actively been following after God and still abusing my wife mentally and emotionally. Like, I don't think that's something that correlates or that goes together. And a lot of times you see in mainstream Christianity and Christian counselors and all this type of stuff where they use Christianity, they use the Bible to be able to justify that abuse, to be able to justify, I'm entitled to this because you're supposed to be my wife and serve me or whatever it is. And like, I don't believe that. So I believe that I found God through the process of waking up to my lies, going through the Wake Up Warrior program, uh, getting to the place where I started realizing, hey, how I've been living has not been working. And I want to be able to change that to become a better person, to become a better person for myself, for my wife, and also for my daughter. So I've said this before. I've been in relationships where the person asks me why I love them. And I'm like, stumbling over my words because I'm really not sure how I love them. I'm really not sure how I'm supposed to connect or communicate. And so I try to find anything and everything. And normally it's just a lame excuse that comes out of like, I love you because of how much you love me. When in reality, that's actually the truth. Like that's actually a part that narcissist is speaking the truth. I love you. Okay. I show you affection. I give you whatever because of what you're giving me. And that's really what it is with a narcissist. It's a transactional you know whatever I can get from you, then I might give you something back. But if I can keep giving you less and less and less, and I still get more and more and more, that's perfect. That means I've got you on supply. That means I've got you on tap, and that's what a narcissist does. and so when you ask them, you know, "How do you love me, why do you love me?" And they start stumbling over the words, it might be a red flag. It's a really good statement here. you grieve the potential you thought the person had. That's really what you do when you mourn the death of a narcissist that's still alive. You're grieving the part that you thought was there, that you fell in love with, that you thought was real, that you thought that love was actually true and pure, and then you realize it's not. That person might have a lot of potential. That person might have a lot of opportunities. But the thing is, they never will until they cut the lies. They never will until they get to the place where they admit what's going on, until they admit the lies that they've had, the gaslighting, the manipulation, the abuse, till they admit those things, they're never gonna have a groundwork of truth to be able to get anywhere in life. So regardless of what potential they might have, they're unwilling to tap into that because they're unwilling to change. A narcissist will try to gaslight and justify anything and everything to be able to justify their behavior. So they might be completely attacking you, coming at you, yelling at you, anything like that. But then as soon as it's over, as soon as you come back at them, they'll be like, What was your problem? I was just asking you a couple questions. Like I was just trying to understand whatever. That's not the case. They do this literally a majority of the time to be able to get a response, to be able to provoke a response, to be able to get reactive abuse back from you. Makes them feel better either about themselves, makes them be able to look like the victim and makes them be like, I was just asking questions and then they just went off on me. Let's them change the story. Don't let them win. Don't let them control you with how they treat you and how you react. This is probably one of the hardest things for most people is that the narcissist doesn't care. You see, the narcissist is programmed and designed a lot of times to only think about themselves, to think that they're the number one, to think that the center of the universe, that the world revolves around them. And as a result, anything that comes in competition with that, anything that's going to threaten that is just another object to get out of the way. It's just another thing to be cast aside and move on to the next person, to the next thing, to the next high, because the narcissist doesn't care. And a lot of times people struggle with this. They struggle with the idea of hope, and they struggle with the idea of thinking that the person loved them. When in reality, when they start looking back at their lives, when they start looking back at what has actually been done, not what has been said, but what has actually been done, they start to see that the narc in true reality did not love them at all. Never did. Because they didn't show it. They didn't act upon it. They said it, but they didn't. Alright, right, here's a really good example of like parenting of when you're interacting with your narcissist and your children are in the room or they experience or they see something that goes on to after it happens to be able to circle back with your kids and be like, Hey, how did that make you feel? Oh, it made you feel unsafe? Let's talk about that. It made you feel mad, let's talk about that. It made you feel scared, let's talk about that. This is a great way to be able to work with your kids to be able to validate their feelings, to be able to validate what they're going through and not get to a place where we're shutting them down, where we're devaluing them, or we're just ignoring them. But getting to the place of understanding like, hey, What's going on in this argument, in this dynamic, in this situation is not healthy for this child, is not healthy for this other person. So being able to relate to them, connect with them and be able to work to help validate their emotions and their feelings and then find a place of helping them grow, heal and change is very vital and very important as a parent. Narcissists a lot of times will target people who haven't had a lot of experience just in life or just in general, whether that's sexual or whether that's life, because you have to think about it. a narcissist again, is looking to manipulate and control people. What better than to take someone who hasn't had a whole lot of life experience and be able to guide them and show them that this is how life is. Life is about serving me. Life is about making me feel this way. Life is about giving me what I want when I want it. That's a prime idea and a prime target sometimes for a narcissist because it's a much longer lasting supply. It's a much more validating supply to be able to get to the place that you've trained, coached, grown up someone to a place that they're going to serve your every beck and call. That's why a lot of narcissists will go for someone who is younger or more impressionable or someone that will look up to them because that feeds back into their God complex. A new concept for me too, so this is something that I learned probably about like two months ago of just the simple truth, feelings aren't bad. You see, for the longest time I thought feelings were either good or bad, you know, good or bad emotions. This is something you should feel, this is something you shouldn't feel, this is something you can't feel, and a lot of that was dictated to me, or a lot of times I would think through of, oh, this is how I'm supposed to interact, this is how I'm supposed to feel, this is how I'm supposed to think, whoop, can't feel that, shut that down, and keep moving on. But getting to the place of understanding it's okay to feel, it's based on what do you do next with that feeling? Like if I feel shame and I rage at my wife, that's not okay. If I feel shame and I write it down and figure out how to actually process that and how to get to a place where I can find healing and growth, that's a better thing to do. That's a better story to write than building my own story of raging and coming at people. It's okay to feel, But let yourself be in control of the feelings, not the feelings control you. All right, so because I'm a narcissist doesn't mean that I don't feel anything at all. A lot of times people think like, oh, you're a narc, you have no feelings whatsoever. So like that's that's not really what a narcissist is. Um, A narcissist, how they normally clarify it, is a narcissist normally struggles with empathy. Okay, so I struggle to be able to connect feelings with how you're feeling. Um, however, your feeling doesn't really connect to me. How you're feeling really isn't something that moves me emotionally or that makes me care. You know, that's what the narc struggles with: is the idea of you're crying, you're upset, I'm over here just sitting like. Okay, what do I do now? Okay, I can either walk away or I can rage or I can ignore it, whatever I can do just to be able to get out of the immediate situation because I don't know how to deal with your emotions. So, But that doesn't mean that I don't feel. I still have feelings, I still have thoughts, I still have emotions, but the empathy part is typically the part that's missing with a narcissist.